Colossians chapter 4. Welcome back to Bible time. Colossians 4, 7. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. And that's really where we're going to focus, but that carries that concept of all my state is going to carry on through verse 8 and 9. So let's read those three verses. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate, focus in there, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, and focus here, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Father, in Jesus' name, please help us to understand your word rightly, divide it. Please give us wisdom, understanding, unction, and utterance, Lord. We need you in Jesus' name. Help, Lord, for Christ's sake, and use this for your glory. Amen. Now, here's the Apostle Paul who is talking to the church at Colossae, one of his churches, and he's sending them a letter, an epistle, and he's called on them to pray. Now, whenever an evangelist or a missionary is sent out, he often sends out what are called prayer letters, and he sends them back to the supporting churches. Now, here in the United States of America, we've kind of turned the whole thing on its ear, and we have um, really twisted up this idea and what it has become. And if you'll hear me out, I just ask you to hear me out today. If you don't agree, at least just give me a hearing. Um, As I show you from Scripture, Lord willing, several Scriptures, we're going to look in 2 Thessalonians and Timothy and 2 and 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at several Scriptures here today that deal with the state of being of a Christian, what he ought to be doing with his time and his resources, and what what God says about that, especially as regards a missionary. Now, the Apostle Paul is, I believe, and I believe this dogmatically, is one of the 12 apostles of of the lamb in the book of revelation i know there's some people that would disagree slightly with that um, he was one of the apostles that saw the lord jesus christ in his in his physical body before he died and was buried and rose again and he walked um, in opposition to that ministry. Um, he was amongst the council that um, was opposing Christ, and he saw and heard all of those things. Meanwhile, Judas had walked with Christ and fell from his bishopric, and the Bible said another one must take it, and they gave lots and numbered Matthias among the 11, and the, and the book of Acts always says among the 11, whereas before, if it talks about one of the apostles with the 12, it would say he he was with the 12 and now it says with the 11 so we go from with the 12 with the 12 with the 12 to with the 11 with the 11 with the 11 in the book of acts and it and it never mentions matthias in any capacity that we can call an apostle it just says that he was elected by lots by the early church in the first chapter and it never really condones it i don't god wasn't against matthias god was not, god loves matthias but i do not believe and god can correct me if i'm wrong about this that matthias was one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. He was recognized as a godly man by the early church. But I believe the apostle Paul got Judas' spot. In any case, if I'm wrong about that, God will correct me. 
In the meantime, the apostolic work that Paul had was not only the revelation of the scriptures, but it was also the carrying of the gospel to the nations. And there's two aspects to that apostolic work. The same as when Jesus called the 12 apostles and he sent them into all the regions of Judea and Samaria preaching the gospel. He gave them power as apostles, but then later he called 70 others and sent them with great power and authority, but they were not the 12, the 12, the 12 that it talked about all throughout scripture. And later these 70 would go back and not go with them anymore. Look at John 6, um, where Jesus talked about how that you must eat his flesh and drink his blood to have any part in him. And um, they got all twisted up and messed up about that and couldn't stand it. Even though Jesus clearly says in John six sixty three, the words that I speak unto thee, they are unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And he says there, I'm not talking about the literal flesh. I'm giving you spirit and life here. And they couldn't comprehend it because they were spiritually in darkness. So they went back and would not follow him. Now there are the apostles were given the authority to bring the revealed word of God, the new covenant, the new Testament. And it is through the teachings and the authority of the apostles that we have the canonization of the 66 books of the Bible. Now I know all you, um, Bible theologians and history nuts are going to say it was this council and it was that council and it was because of this guy and that guy and and this book used to be in this and these people recognize that and I don't really care about any of that I don't want to offend you it just doesn't matter to me I have my 66 books of the Bible that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt are the inspired word of God and I believe that they are that by evident proof from their from the writings themselves from the authorship of the writings and the obvious authenticity of the writings, the lack of contradiction within them, the lack of spurious doctrine, because it can be compared to the other Bible, the other scriptures in the word of God. How do we know that the King James Bible is the right Bible? Because it's perfect and without error. You say, oh, well, how can you say that? Because I've read the whole thing over and over and over again, and I've seen places where people keep showing me there's error, and it's not error. It's all right, and it all agrees with itself. The Old Testament agrees with the New Testament. The same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament, and he needs no excuses and no qualifications made for him. He can be believed implicitly and completely and understood to be exactly who he was in the Old Testament and to still be exactly who he was when he was born of the Virgin Mary and took the name Jesus Christ and walked on this earth and died a perfect sinless death and was buried and rose again the third day and gave commandments to his apostles. <coughs> Excuse me. Now those apostles, uh, those apostles had the authority to bring the revelation of the New Testament to light and to pen the words as the holy men of God moved by the Holy Ghost. And those other people did not. So the veracity of the books of the Bible has to be judged by the apostolic authorship and those books that are not written directly by the apostles must be compared meticulously to the books written by the apostles and may, and if they contradict in any way to the apostolic books, they get thrown in the trash can as far as Christianity and theology and doctrine goes. Those books that have contradictions and spurious things in them are historical 
figure, figure pieces that have some kind of value to a historically minded person that I'm not going to waste one second of my time on because I have more important things to do and I'm going to redeem the time and get in the 66 books of the Holy Bible perfectly preserved, inspired by God and without error that I can study and apply to my life today because there's a battle going on and Paul says here, walk in wisdom toward them with our without redeeming the time. That means sometimes there's some books, there's some things, there's there's some influences that you need to throw in the trash can. Not people, but influences. And the things that they say, you need to just get away from and stand back from and leave alone because of whatever spurious nature. And you might say, well, fine, I need to do that to you and get out my Bible and read it. And I say to you, go for it. Shut the podcast off. Get your Bible out and read it for four hours a day. And you'll be way better off than you will be listening to this podcast if you just read it with a believing heart and believe it. But if this podcast can help you, then I hope that you'll enjoy it. I hope that it'll be a blessing to you, but it can never replace in any way the word of God to you. Now here, the, the apostles have the authority to bring us the scriptures, but the, the word apostle in and of itself just means sent. Just as far as a word goes, it means sent, and it's the equivalent word in its definition, not in its authority. Pay attention there of the word that we use that's not in the Bible of a missionary. Now, a missionary is one that's sent to carry the gospel. And we use that word to set a distinction between an apostle who has the authority to reveal the word of God and a person who is carrying the apostle's revealed word to the lost world. And I don't mind that distinction. It's a good distinction to make. But it is important to understand that the apostle had a job to do that was not limited to his authority as an apostle. And the apostle Paul's job was to carry the gospel to the Gentile world. And that job is an outworking of a of the great commission that God gave his church whenever Jesus Christ ascended. He told them that this gospel should be preached in all the world. And that commission is still given to his church. And the missionary then has the job of going under the authority of the writings of the apostles of the Lamb with the same job that the apostle Paul had and to do it under the apostle Paul's authority following his manner of life and the way that he did it as an example and as a standard to be held up that this is how missionaries work. Now if you got a problem with that, I don't know what to do with you. That seems to be pretty qualified. I'm trying not to tread um, on anything that could be thin ice and keep it pretty straight up and straightforward. Now, a missionary is not an apostle in the sense that the apostles have the authority and the job of the revelation of Scripture. But in the sense that the apostle Paul was sent by God to preach the gospel throughout the world and set forth an example, and there in the Bible that has the it talks about the apostles Barnabas, and Paul, that's what it's talking about. Barnabas was not an apostle of the Lamb. He did not have the power to reveal Scripture. He did not have the authority to do it, but he was operating under the authority of the revealed Word of God, preaching the gospel in places that did not have the gospel. And therefore, though he did not have the authority of an apostle of the Lamb, he had the ministry of the apostle, the outworking of the ministry of the apostle. 
And there's a big difference. Just like in Romans, there's a difference between the motivational gift of prophecy and the outworking of proclaiming of God's word. So, And that's what we're talking about here, splitting the hair. So here is Paul, and he is, in essence, he's the master missionary. In essence, Paul is the chief missionary, the one that God sent to take the gospel to the Gentiles, and he led the first evangelistic bands to carry the gospel to the nations. And as he did that, he would send out prayer letters. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, that Paul's sending was from Antioch, Pisidia, if I remember that name right, and not Jerusalem. Paul did not answer to Peter, not for one second. Peter, in fact in fact, was rebuked by the Apostle Paul when Peter decided to go check on the missionary work of the Apostle Paul, and he showed up and dissimulated and got Barnabas to dissimulate with him, read all about it in the book of Galatians, and they separated the Gentiles and the Jews, and they wouldn't eat with the Gentiles, and and Paul stood up before them all and rebuked the Apostle Peter told him he was wrong in front of everybody, and God not only honored the apostle Paul for it, but Peter also received the rebuke and backed down as is evidenced by his approval of Paul in the epistle of 2 Peter, where he says that Paul writes some things that are hard to understand that unstable souls rest, as they do other scriptures also unto their own destruction. And the apostle Paul Peter included the apostle Paul's writings in the very scriptures themselves, which has to do with canonization and knowing how we got the books that we got in the Bible. Peter called Paul's writings scriptures. Argue with Peter about it if you don't like Paul. You're off your rocker. You've missed the boat. If you throw out Paul, you throw out Christ because Paul spoke for Christ. Now, Um, Paul here had a manner of life. He's not reporting back to a sending church. He's reporting to his ministry churches, and he's sending out prayer letters, not support letters. Now, if you want to go raise support and send out newsletters to people who are sending you money, be my guest. I'm not going to fight you over. I don't care. You do whatever you believe God would have you do within the confines of Scripture to get the gospel out, and I'll thank God for it. But I just want to teach here what the Bible is showing that Paul was doing. Is that fair? Can we just look at what the Bible said that Paul did for just a minute instead of trying to make it fit into our idea of what a missionary is supposed to do? Can we just look at what the main missionary did for just a little while? Can we do that? Does everybody think that'd be fair? Let's look at the, the master missionary the main missionary who was one of the 12 apostles, or if you don't believe that, you must at least recognize that the apostle Paul spoke the very word of God whenever he wrote the epistle of Romans and the epistle of Colossians, and that Peter recognized the apostle Paul's writings as scripture. Now here we have a prayer letter that is scripture. So before you think that I'm trying to hold you to the level of an apostle of the lamb, I'm not. Your prayer letters, if you're a missionary, an evangelist, they're not, they don't have to be scripture and they can't be scripture and I'm not adding your prayer letter to the canon of scripture no matter how hard you cry and try and get me to do so okay we're not doing it your prayer letter is not the bible but Paul's prayer letter was the bible isn't that amazing 
And here in Paul's prayer letter, he says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Excuse me. He says here, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. Now the apostle Paul wasn't out there walking on water and floating on the clouds and eating manna from heaven. The apostle Paul went out to preach the gospel. And as they say in the Ozarks, you can't live on fresh air and rabbit tracks. So the apostle Paul had to have some clothes on his back. He had to get some sandals for his feet. He had to buy some food from time to time and eat it. He had to get a drink of water. He had to find a place to sleep, a place to go to the bathroom, a place to bathe and to get clean. The apostle Paul had some basic needs of life. And he told Tychicus, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Now, without getting any, I love my missionary friends, even the ones that do it differently than I would do it. And I pray for them and I back them up and I want them to go forward for God. So before you get mad at me, if I say something you disagree with or that doesn't line up with how you do things i just pray for grace just give me some grace please i'm not against you i'm not your enemy but i do want to state here absolutely plainly that the word deputization means in its very definition to raise support for another not to raise support for oneself. That is fundraising, not deputization. And all I'm doing there is clarifying a term. If you want to fundraise your ministry, yourself, to go out and preach the gospel to the heathen, be my guest. I hope it works for you. I hope it pans out great, and I hope you get there. But that is not deputization. What Paul talked about in the Word of God, and what I, and listen, if I'm wrong, send me an email, correct me show me the scriptures i want to know because i want to be right with god biblically but biblically here he is sending tychicus to deal with the handling of the state of the physical aspects of the ministries tychicus is going to go represent the apostle paul's condition physically to the church and also to report back to paul the physical condition of that church nowhere in the new testament have i found a place where um, the apostle Paul sent back letters home asking for money. I can't find it. If you found it, send me an email, please. It's right there. You can get it off the website. Shoot me an email, Isaiah 9 underscore 2 at outlook.com. You don't even have to look it up. And show me your Bible verses where there is a condition where Paul is sending back for support for financial assistance to the church at Jerusalem. In fact, we find something even more crazy. He actually raised funds for for the church at Jerusalem that wasn't even his sending church. But it was the church that the church at Antioch Pisidia was founded from. And the Apostle Paul raised money for the poor saints at Jerusalem and raised it from the churches he was ministering to, not the churches that had sent him out. But as far as finding any kind of biblical basis of having a network of churches that have decided to take you on as a supported missionary and then therefore to have some 
kind of authority where you have to send back letters declaring your state so that they know how well the money has been spent. There is no such animal in the New Testament. And again, if it works for you and you get the gospel out and you're willing to go through that, be my guest and get the gospel out and I thank God for you, but just please don't claim scriptural basis for that decision because it is not scripturally founded. You cannot find that exact method in the Bible. Now, if you want to do it, God gives latitude and leniency to a lot of the things that we do. God didn't tell you which direction to wear your ball cap, contrary to popular opinion. And there you could all say, ooh, right? Because there's a lot of preachers that are going to tell you which direction you have to wear your ball cap. And if they want to do that, more power to them. The Bible doesn't tell you it's wrong, but they might have some principles and you better listen to them, especially if it's your pastor. And I'd go further and tell you this. If your pastor tells you not to wear your ball cap backwards, you better say, aye, aye, sir, and turn the thing around and give him no lip about it because he watches for your soul. But if he tries to make it a doctrine and say he has scriptural foundation for that fact, then he's gone off the deep end with all due respect, sir. Moving on. So he says here, um, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant of the Lord. He says, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. So he's got a twofold ministry. And I've, I know a lot of good missionary friends that feel this way about what they call deputization, even though it's just fundraising. And they will go from church to church telling the churches what God God has been doing, explaining the situation and encouraging and comforting the churches. And they have a lot of this heart here that Tychicus had as he went and deputized for the Apostle Paul, telling them all of his state. Now, even in the deputization that we find here, there's never, in fact, there's there's the exact opposite of Paul asking for money. Now, again, if you do that, more power to you. Be my guest. I'm not against you. I might even put some money on the offering plate to help you down the road, but that's not what the Apostle Paul did, and you cannot claim to have a scriptural example of that. If you do think so, send me an email again and show me your scripture references. I'd love to see them. I don't, I don't know everything about the Bible, but everything I know, I'm pretty sure I know. How's that? And by the way, if you think you know something, you're pretty sure you know it. And if you didn't think you knew it, you wouldn't know it. And if you didn't know it, you wouldn't say you knew it. And if you're not sure, it's not a know it, no so anyway. If you think that a preacher's got to be mealy mouth, what are you looking for? I want to, when I listen to preaching, for my part, I want to hear somebody that thinks they know what they're talking about. And I've got no time for anything else. And it better be based off the word of God in comparison of scripture with scripture. So he says that Tychicus will declare his state. I'm going to know your estate. Onesimus is coming along. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. They're going to give you a ministry update. Now let's look at Paul's manner of life. Um, first of all, let's just go to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. I wasn't going to start there, but I will. Excuse me. 
First Corinthians chapter nine. We're going to start in verse one. Here, Paul is dealing with this subject of financial support for the work of the gospel. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Now, again, we talked about his apostleship um, that he was opposed to Christ. Well, Christ walked the earth, but Jesus Christ Himself appeared to the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and um, cl- and called him to be an apostle on that road. Christ handpicked Paul. And I know we're running a rabbit and we're, and you guys are going to lose me here. I hope not. But there are only 12 people, 13 people in the whole Bible that Jesus Christ handpicked. And one of them had a devil. His name was Judas. The other one was added later that Christ himself handpicked. His name was Paul. And those are the only 12 that I recognize as legitimate apostles. The illegitimate apostle is burning in, in, um, as far as I can tell it, um, is burning in the lake of fire. Now, I say that right now with some trepidation in case I missed some verses. I didn't study that out, but that's Judas. He's gone. So here's the Apostle Paul, handpicked by Jesus Christ, given his authority by Jesus Christ Almighty, not by Peter. And if you're out there and you think Peter christened the Apostle Paul, go read the book of Galatians. You missed it. It's not there. You're wrong. I love you in the Lord. If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. And he goes on. These people are picking questioning questioning Paul. They're challenging his authority here. If you read the context, mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Or I only and Barnabas have not we power to forbear working. And this is where we're, we're trying to get here for this. He's saying, have we not power to forbear working? He says it's on our option list. If we choose to, we can quit working with our hands because of the labor in the ministry. He says in verse 7, who goeth to warfare at any time, any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? Now, you think of who goeth warfare at any time in his own charges there was one man in history who who notably who did his name was Hannibal and he launched the Punic uh, I believe the second Punic war against Rome out of his own pocket and he nearly brought the entire empire of Rome to an early grave through his own warfare against Rome out of his own pocket now that's a rare thing. It's rare to find anybody who will go warfare out of his own pocket. The American founding fathers bankrupted themselves trying to um, wage warfare against the oppression of the overreach and the illegal oppression of the English crown. And they bankrupted themselves going to warfare at their own charges. It is rare, but it does happen. And here Paul's about to tell you, I am doing that. I'm that kind of a guy. Now he's not doing it to brag. He's doing it to establish his authority with the Corinthian church. And he's telling them, I have gone above and beyond the call of duty. He says here, who goeth a warfare at any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock say I these things as a man or saith not the law the same also for it is written in the law of Moses thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn 
Now what he's, look, doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If I have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. He says, I have not used this power. Now we need to run some scriptures here so that we can get a broader picture before we just go talking about it and lo- and get off base. He says, do ye not know that they which minister about the hol- about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Did you hear that today? They which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And who ordained that? Whose plan is it that the preacher should get remunerance for preaching? Whose plan? God's. Renumerance means that he's getting paid. I might have made up that word. Who knows? But renumerated means to receive a financial benefit in exchange for the spiritual exercise of preaching the gospel. Now, Paul preaches against hirelings and all that. We're going to touch on some of that. He says here, we did not use this power even though God ordained the power. He says, but I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things that it should be so done unto me. He said, I have not taken any money or payment from you and neither have I written this to you so that you'll back pay me. He says, I'm not interested in you paying me for it were, and he goes on for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory in void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of for a necessity as laid upon me. Skip down to 18. What is my reward? Award then verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Now, he's saying here that he would not take anything from the Corinthian church. And everybody will usually grab onto that fact or they grab onto the fact that the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live the gospel. And you set your camp, you align your cannons against the other camp and you start to shoot at each other for how everybody's doing it. And that's not Paul's intention either. In fact, there needs to be some grace as we look at different ministries and how they're operated. One ministry might raise funds. Another ministry might not raise funds and you say well this one's doing it right and that one's doing it wrong and I say to you you're sitting there as a judge over something that God didn't give you to judge because God ordained that they that minister of the gospel should live of the gospel now there's also obviously right ways to do this and wrong ways to do this walk with wisdom toward them that are without there was a tent ministry that came through on the high desert uh, we were we were told about this now not everything that angry people say is true and if you don't figure that out you're going to believe a lot of lies in your lifetime. But in any case, here was the report. This tent ministry came through the area and the preacher got up to preach and they gave him the count of the offering that they had just taken, passing the plate. And there wasn't enough money. So the preacher got up there and he said, now listen, y'all, I'm getting up here to preach the gospel. Now this is obviously in hillbilly ease, um, a paraphrase of what was going on. I don't think they even say y'all out there on the high desert. Um, they say yate. 
which is hello in Navajo. Uh, but in any case, I don't know if this was a Navajo preacher. There were Navajo people that were gathered there primarily. Uh, I don't know who or where the preacher was from. And that preacher said, uh, said to them, listen up, you guys haven't given me enough money. I've got bills to pay. It costs me money to get here. It takes gas to drive. It takes money to have equipment. And you guys haven't even given me a decent offering. And we're going to pass the plate again. And he did it until he got enough money. And when he got enough money, then he commenced to preach for them. And that's a bunch of garbage. And we all know that. That's a bunch of trash. If that kind of behavior happened, then um, that kind of behavior is condemned by God. But in any case, God does not condemn a preacher receiving funds for preaching the gospel. But there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Now go to 2 Thessalonians 3 quickly. We've got to keep moving. We have got to keep moving. Lord, help me not to get hung up. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8. Now try this one on for size. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. Now before we go forward, keep your mind balanced here. They wrought with labor and travail night and day. Now they somehow preached the gospel. And if they preached the gospel, you'd assume they preached it in the night or the day. Now you could try and parse it and say evening and um, early dusky morning times or however you want to try and say it. But God gives us two parts to the day, the day and the night. And the apostle saying, we worked around the clock with labor and travail. Now, if you think for one minute that that means the apostle Paul went over here to the church at Thessalonica and he sat down and sewed on tents for 24 hours a day, you've lost your mind. And that's obvious, right? So what he's saying here is that their labor night and day included both the manual labor and the spiritual labor. And he did not discount the spiritual labor and say it was for not. Do you hear me today? The spiritual labor he put on an equal footing with the other manual labor and the wage earning labor. The spiritual labor had an equal place of honor and an equal place of esteem. And Paul has clearly taught us that they that labor of the gospel, that God has ordained that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So therefore, he could have received wages for preaching the gospel, but at Corinth he would not. And he tells these, we labor night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you not because we have not power he says we don't have to we could charge for preaching because it's worth it and God has ordained that they that preach the gospel live of the gospel but he says we did this to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us for even when we were with you this we command you to you that if any would not work neither should he eat for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorder 
disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Now you can take this verse and tell a preacher, well then you need to shut up and get a job because you're running your mouth and you're getting in everybody's business with your preaching so you're the busybody and you'd be misapplying scripture. These are people that were not working, but were busybodies. And he says they need to shut up and work. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Now we're going into 1 Timothy here. It's right next door. But on your way there to 1 Timothy 5, in Acts, the Bible says in Acts chapter 6 that the apostles had a big question of the Um, some widows being neglected and they said uh, he says here it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables he says but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word so if you think that the apostles were out of order in working full time in the ministry you're off your rocker now that doesn't mean that it's for everybody. There's balance here and we're here because we're here in the Bible. We've been studying our way through the book of Colossians and we got to Colossians chapter 4 where Paul is saying all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. He wants to check on your estate and he wants to let you know how things are going here. And this is dealing with the physical realities of the ministry. And so that's what we're looking at today because that's where we're at. First Timothy 5 17 let's go quickly and let's keep a balance 517 let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially they who labor in the word and doctrine now nowhere in the bible can you find a ministry um, that is going out and fundraising you can't if you can show it to me email me but in it, but you do find churches sending money to the apostle, we're going to get there in a little bit, to continue his work in other areas. And you also find scriptural teaching for supporting a ministry that you are being fed with. So here he says, the elders that rule will be counted worthy of double honor. That's specifically dealing with a church setting. If you are in church and if you are a Christian saved, born again by the power of God, you will be in church. And if you get out of church, God will chasten you and get you back in church. And if you're there in church and the elders are ruling well and they're the pastor at my church, for example, as he's preaching, ministering the gospel, overseeing the flock, it is right, it is appropriate, it is honoring, it is obedient to God to make sure he gets a check cut so that he doesn't have to worry about financial needs and he can focus on the needs of the flock. And my church does send a check to my pastor and it's not even really talked about. I don't even know how much it is. I'm not in that part of the dealings and I hope and pray that it is adequate to please God because if we don't take care of our pastor God is going to curse our church and he won't bless our church if we won't take care of our pastor I believe we are just from the fact that God has been blessing our church and I thank God for that and I trust those men that have a part in deciding what all that is 
and dealing with the pastor about how much he gets. It's not my business. I don't worry about it other than that I know he's getting it and I know God's blessing. And so I thank God. He says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. So here he's talking about, and he gives us that verse again, for the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. This is where the old hillbilly term about preaching comes from. Well, that preacher's shucking the corn. That means he's husking the corn, taking the husks off of the corn, which the oxen would do, treading it out. Okay, that's the same. That's the hillbilly paraphrase. So they would say of a preacher at a camp meeting, "Oh glory, he's a shucking the corn," and that's where that comes from. He's shucking the corn means you better be ready to give him what he needs to keep shucking corn. Let me tell you something: a preacher that preaches can only preach so many sermons until he dies of starvation, unless he gets food to eat. And depending on what his, his financial situation is, he may be able to preach or he may be shut down and stop preaching if he can't get enough. Now, the Apostle Paul, again, he did both often. He would work hard to pay for his food and he'd go out and preach. Now, 1 Timothy um, 6 Excuse me. First Timothy 6, 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. And it says in verse 9 that they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which some, having coveted after, have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So this, um, this was something Paul had had freedom from and one of the ways that he was free of it was by doing work to support himself and again i'm not saying every missionary needs to support himself it's not always possible and lord willing we'll look at that i may have missed um the text that i wanted to find let's see if we can find it second corinthians 11 go there quickly second corinthians 11 and verse 8 through 9, he says here, oh, here we go. Here we go. He says, come into the Corinthians. Now, this is in the church at Corinth. Paul is known for having been a tent maker. The church at um, Ephesus, if I remember right, Paul was only there two weeks, and he was kicked out of the city, nearly killed, and then chased all over the place. And he had no time to do anything besides run for his life and preach the gospel as far as we know. Not much tent making you can do while people are throwing rocks at you. So there were times Paul would um, work for his wages, and other times he would not. Um, He says here that whenever he went to the church at Corinth, he says in verse 8, I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service and here is a biblical (coughs) excuse me a biblical example of the apostle paul taking support and i want to get this down today he took support from poor churches to go and preach the gospel to a rich area And Corinth was one of the wealthiest churches that Paul had on his whole list, and he wouldn't take a single dollar from them. He says there in verse 7, he says, "Um, Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exalted because I preached to you the gospel of God freely? I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For look, 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 for that which was lacking to me, 
the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. Now the basic principle that Paul gave here is that whenever he takes the gospel to people, he wants to keep the gospel free and he will not charge for the gospel. But he was willing to take support from other churches that wanted to help him get the gospel to another place that needed the gospel. So Paul did take support. And according to the word of God in 2 Corinthians eleven eight, even while Paul was making tents in Corinth, he was receiving financial support from the church is at Macedonia. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 17. You say, I thought this was Bible time. You're not supposed to preach about this. Hey, Bible time, we're in the Bible. What am I supposed to preach about? We're just going through the Bible. What the Bible talks about, we'll preach about. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 17. He says here, let's look at verse 16, but be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? I desired Titus, and with them I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Now, Paul here also tells the church at Corinth to get ready to give. And he tells them about a ministry opportunity and um, about a, a poor church, the church at Jerusalem. Peter's church, by the way, if you think that, um, listen, if you think that Peter has had a succession and his church isn't poor today, it's the wealthiest organization in the world, I think you missed something. You jump tracks somewhere. If you get that, um, I hope it helps you. Now, Peter says, or he says here, this church at Jerusalem, we're going to send money to them, and I want you to get get money together. And he talks about the church at Macedonia, how that the church at Macedonia gave through the abundance of their liberality in the midst of their poverty. And I didn't get that reference um, written down today. So the church at Macedonia, a poverty-stricken church, gave abundantly and liberally to the church at Jerusalem in their time of need. And they also gave to the Apostle Paul to carry him forward in his missionary work in the preaching of the gospel. So here we have many biblical examples of the support of a preacher by the church of Jesus Christ. What we have not found in all of this, as he lets them know his state, he tells them I'm in bonds. In other epistles, he tells them, he says, I sent to Troas. He's sent to these different places. He tells one guy, he says, I need my cloak. He tells another one, bring the parchments. I believe that's Timothy. And he tells him of his state. He sent Tychicus to declare his state and tell the churches his need. But nowhere do you find the Apostle Paul jimmying money out of people, saying, I'm in need up here. I'm working hard to preach the gospel. Don't you want the gospel to go out? You're sinning if you don't support my ministry. If you're listening to this and you're not sending money, and the Apostle Paul never said, if you're listening to this... And you're not sending me money or giving me money. You're stealing from me. He gave the gospel freely. But at the same time, his work was carried forward by support from the local churches. So we can conclude here that the scripture 
teaches clearly that God has ordained that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And by the way, there are preachers who would preach the gospel who do not preach the gospel because they simply physically cannot preach the gospel. They do not have time. You say, that's not true. Anybody, if they're really called, they have the money. And I tell you to go walk a mile in their shoes. I tell you to shut up or put up. Go walk a mile in their shoes. There are people who have spent themselves for the gospel of Christ, just like Paul says, I would gladly be spend and be spent for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they would be out preaching the gospel. They would be carrying the gospel further than they are, but they simply lack the resources. That's reality. You say God works, God's work done God's way will not lack God's resources, so if the preacher lacks resources, it proves he's not of God. Well, it might actually prove that the people around him are not of God. You ever think about that one? And now you think I'm Jimmy and money and I'm not. I've not asked you for money one time. I'm not going to ask you for money. And I don't even have a way that set up there online for you to give the money. And I'll leave that completely between you and God. But I'm telling you something. There are preachers that would there are preachers who would be a pastor today if a group of people valued God's word enough to say, Brother, we see God's hand on you and we want you to be a pastor, and they would gather around him and help him pay his bills so that he could take enough time to study and oversee a flock of God. But he doesn't have the time and he doesn't have the money because nobody really cares about the word of God. And that's just the raw reality. Maybe God's work isn't done God's way because God's people aren't giving. You ever think of that one? Huh? Come on. You think it's the preacher's the only one that can be at fault. You think God's word's going to stall out and not go forward into all the world because the preacher's not right with God. And if he was just right with God, he would have the money. And you say, well, I don't think that. Well, I've heard that thought represented plainly in plain English. And I've heard good people disparaged with it. And I'm telling you, it's not biblical. I'm not angry about it, but it's not biblical. Sometimes God's work doesn't go forward because God's preacher gets sideways with God. But sometimes God's work stops dead because God's people stop dead and won't go forward with God, and both are true. Now, the Apostle Paul here is held up. He holds up this standard of excellence that he made the gospel without charge, and that's a wonderful thing that he did, and I praise God for it. I've heard of many missionaries who've gone, gone on nothing but faith, trusting God, and God has provided. I've heard of other missionaries that work half of a year, and they save their money, and then at the end of the, their six months of work, they go, they shut down their shop, and they go out and they work and preach preach the gospel and labor in the word and in doctrine and in prayer. And then they come back and work again. And that's admirable. That is making the gospel without charge. And they have purchased themselves a great reward. But there are people who will never go and preach if they have to do that because they simply do not have the skills and they do not have the means and they do not have the opportunity to make that kind of money and have the flexibility to leave their work place and go out. So now, what, what am I saying actually? You're probably wondering today, what are you saying? What's the right way to go? I'm saying the right way to go is to go with God. The right way to go is to give liberally. Paul sent to know their estate, not just to have them know his estate. And guess what the apostle Paul would have done if he found out they were poverty stricken? Help me out here. What would he do? What would he do? 
he would have sent them his own money that he earned working with his own hands and he would have raised some support for the poor brethren who had been serving God and fell on hard times. Listen to me. It's not a cakewalk following Jesus. You don't get a guarantee of a salary and a pension when you start following Jesus. And even a missionary that raises support doesn't have a solid guarantee because churches can renege on what they said they would do. Churches can change. Churches can close churches can split things can happen and their money can fall through and somebody can go on hard times <coughs> your spirituality is not determined by your financial portfolio he says walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time but that doesn't mean that you're going to have a 401k and an ira and money in the bank and stocks and bonds and a corvette and a four-story house in the country and a lake mansion with a boat docked by it do you hear me today? There are good preachers <coughs> who fall on hard times and need help. And they sometimes spend everything they've got carrying the gospel. And when they do, they need help. And when that happens, it behooves the church to help them. And if the church won't help them, then the church will bring the displeasure of God upon itself. So Paul wanted to know their estate, and he wanted to tell them his estate. Paul received money from some churches. He wouldn't receive money from some churches. What are you getting at? What I'm getting at is we need to get off our high horse. And stop pointing fingers at every ministry that does things differently than the way that we do it. And if you think that there's a better way to do it, then do it. And do it the better way. But don't look down your long nose at a brother in Christ who does it differently. So you go out in faith. Don't you dare look down your nose at a brother who raises funds. And you go out and deputize for missionaries. Don't look down at others who raise their own money. And you're a money raiser. Don't look down at your nose at people who go in faith. In fact, maybe you ought to take some of that money you raised and send it to one of them, huh? I know, you don't want to hear it. How can he possibly be preaching this and be right with God? Now you're all sure I'm a heretic out there on the web, aren't you? Well, I hope I hit everybody. If I don't hit everybody, I missed my mark. The, God's word is for everybody today. Do you hear me? God's word is for everybody. And his word is true. When God's word is going out, it takes sacrifice. And it takes sacrifice from the preacher. And it takes sacrifice from people around the preacher or the word won't go out. And you can say whatever you want. You can say boo, but the gospel will be hindered. Paul said he would not take money from the church at Corinth because that would hinder the gospel. But there were other times he took money from other churches lest the gospel be hindered. He didn't say that's why he did it, but that's what he said his motivation was for everything that he did in his life. He said that everything that fell out to him fell out for the furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel. Paul's drive was to carry the gospel. And we're going to bring this thing full circle here now that everybody's good and mad. Go back to Colossians. I've got the fundraisers mad. I've got the mission societies mad. I've got the deputizers mad. I've got the faith promise givers mad. I've got the faith givers mad. Everybody's mad today. Maybe not. I hope not. That's carnality if we are. 
I hope I'm not making you mad. I'm not trying to. The Bible says in Colossians 4, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. We don't have time to mess around. This world is on the short list for hell. It's headed fast to hell. And if we don't get the gospel out, we're going to miss our opportunity. We have only so many days, only so many hours, only so many minutes, only so many seconds until Jesus Christ returns. We don't have time to squabble and squibble over stupid little things that don't matter. What we do have time for is the gospel. So a missionary comes along raising money, at least listen to him and ask God if you should help him down the road. And another missionary comes through the church and doesn't say a word about money don't assume that he's got it ask God what do I need to do to help the missionary down the road another missionary comes through deputizing raising funds for other missionaries and other organizations take some time and ask God what should I do ask God right now how am I what is my state am I living in a way that furthers the gospel of Jesus Christ maybe I'm not a missionary maybe I'm a furniture manufacturer maybe I'm an auto mechanic maybe I'm I'm a seamstress or a homemaker some some wife might say maybe that's just what I do what are you doing to further the gospel of Jesus Christ you say I've prayed and prayed one dear old lady I knew I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would give me the boldness to speak the gospel to my relatives and my loved ones and no matter how much I pray I can't I just can't get the words and I try and give them gospel tracks and I smile at them and I love them and I pray for them and I pray for them but I can't speak to them and the words just won't come out of my mouth and I told her what I'll tell you stop worrying about it do everything you can do and when you've done all you can do then you've done all you can do And just love those people and pray for them unless God gives you something to say and then say it. Are you doing everything that you can do to get the gospel out? Now this goes back to the prayer letters and the missionaries. We've got a thing going on in our nation and a lot of fundamentalist Bible-believing churches of all sorts. I know there's a subgroup of a denomination that goes by the name Bible-believing. I don't use it that way. I just mean we believe the Bible. I'm not associating with any group or camp. So we believe the Bible. If you believe the Bible and you're trying to get the gospel out, you probably have this idea that missionaries have to spend all this time reporting back to churches and writing all these newsletters and telling all their business and telling everybody exactly what's going on. And listen, it's not in the Bible. It's a helpful thing if you're praying for them. You know how many churches, I used to do some prayer letters, uh, how many churches actually pray for me? I know some people did pray for me, but I sent out a newsletter and said, I'm not sending out newsletters anymore. That's what God's laid on my heart. If you want to know what's going on, um, have a talk with me. I don't mind talking to you. And I did not get, I got one phone call telling me we're done with you. And that was it. Nobody else even called or anything. It was just gone. And I'm not condemning them. I'm not mad at them. But what I'm saying is it's not in the Bible. And if you're not praying for people, your money's worth next to nothing anyway. Paul sent out a prayer letter. And in his prayer letter, asking them to pray, he told them, Tychicus is going to tell you all my state. I'm up here in jail. Tychicus will tell you about it. And you better bet, you better believe it. They got down there and they said, how is Paul doing? How is his health? 
How is he doing financially? Is he able to pay his bills? Is he getting meals in the prison? Does he have everything he needs to keep preaching the gospel? Is there anything that Paul needs right now? And Tychicus wasn't going to hold that from him. And if there was anything they could do to help, they helped him. And I'm saying that on good faith, understanding who they were and the kind of people they were by the letter that Paul had just wrote to him. Now, I think we just ran through the briars and the brambles and all the places where the rabbits wouldn't go today. We've been in all kinds of stuff and... I hope you're not mad. I hope you're not upset. But I do believe that it's absolutely essential that we get a biblical perspective about missions and evangelism and supporting the work of God and that it is critical because otherwise we'll hinder the gospel. That's this whole point here is walk in wisdom toward them with our, that are without redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. We don't have time to waste. That's what we need to be thinking about today. How can we get the gospel gospel out to more people faster and broader and stronger with the power and the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit on it today. We've got plenty of programs. I'm not advocating going without God. You got to be filled with the Spirit. But the Apostle Paul who commanded to be filled with the Spirit also had to fill his belly with a little bit of food every once in a while. And God's work is going to take God's resources. We say God's work done God's way will not lack God's resources. That's true. That's absolutely Absolutely true. But do you know who has God's resources? Listen to me today. Who has God's resources? Believers. If you are a believer and you have resources, if you have money, if you have food, if you have a car or not, whatever you have, the clothes on your back are the resources that God owns. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and some of those hills might be titled under your name. Do you hear me today? And some of those cattle might have your name on the paper that they're registered under, but they're still God's. And God's work will need God's resources. Go out and find. Listen to me today. Here's the appeal. You say, how can you preach this and not make an appeal? I'll make an appeal right now. And I'm not making it for me. You don't, you don't have to send me one dime. I'm not asking for one dime. I'm not even suggesting that you send me one dime. You get out there and find some worthy cause. Find some preacher. Find some evangelist. Find some missionary. Go search them out. Find one that you agree with enough on the basics of the fundamentals of the faith that you can back them up and back them up for Christ's sake. And don't let the work of God fall by the wayside because you're too busy spending your money on your own life. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Father, in Jesus' name, you know my heart, and you know why we're here, Lord. It's right in your Bible, and that's where we were at, and so that's what we study today. I pray, Lord God, that no one would get the wrong idea from this, Lord God, that you would protect your gospel, protect your word, and Lord God, let thy word go out in power. I pray, Lord, that you would burden many hearts to advance the cause of Christ around this nation and around this globe and get busy for Christ because the time is short and all of our resources, everything that we have, we say it's yours, Lord. And if it is yours, help us and direct us, Lord, to funnel our resources, our time, our energy, and our efforts into the advancement of the gospel for Christ's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.